Hello and welcome to Clamp, the Creating, Living, and Making podcast. I'm your host, Morley Kurt, and joining me as always is Adam Mackey. G'day. And A. Grant Alexander. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Uh, one of many. The, uh, the, right. I'm th- I, know, uh, I know the Grant Alexander. I don't know who A. Grant Alexander is. I think he's your, your twin. We have the, yeah, we have the are, other, other... Yeah? That you yeah, have a, the secret exactly. twin? Yeah. All right. Yeah, well, well, I'm very happy to be speaking to this, the secret twin of the Grant Alexander this week. Um, yeah. But before we get to him, Adam, what's been going on this week? Sweet F all. Um, no, seriously, I, I've pretty much done nothing. I've just worked, come home, slept, gone to work, and that's it. I mean, I still go in the gym every day and stuff, but I haven't. I actually was thinking about it today. Like, I haven't stepped foot in my shop for like two months. Do you think that's correlated with going back to the gym more regularly? Like that's been taking up your your no, time, kind of. I don't. I don't think it's that. It's just not having the the motivation to want to be in there. I don't know. Sort of trying to get my life back on track mm. and everything. So I don't know. It makes sense. Yeah. Focusing on one yeah. thing at a time. Yeah, I've had heaps of like free time lately, but. I don't know. I just, I don't have the energy to do anything. Hmm. I feel you there. Yeah. I'll get back there eventually. You've been too busy uh, editing podcasts and <laughs> posting stuff on Instagram a day late. I mean, a day late. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's exactly it though. Like it all ties into that. Like I just, my, my head, my head's just not where it needs to be right now. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, you'll get there. And making a alarm for the YouTube, uh, the Instagram post is probably a good first step. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy. <laughs> Recurring alarm every week, <laughs> it, and it seriously takes me like a minute to do the post. Yeah. So. All right. Well, should, uh, well, Grant, you should talk with Vincent about how he schedules them. I think yeah, you can I, just I, do it with, through the Facebook Business Center. But yeah, I just have to link the account. Mm-hmm. I'll look into that. Cool. All right, Mister. What have I been working on? Now? Yeah, yeah. It's good to meet uh, you. I've heard so much about you. Yeah. Well, I'm kind of new here. I've uh, I've also not been getting out. Go ahead. We like your brother more, but it's okay. You oh. can stay. All right. Well, I, thank you. Um, <laughs> I've also not been getting out to the shop as much as I'd like to, uh, but I have been working on a very old dresser. Um, it was in my brother's house when I, uh, came back from, uh, Austin's Austinville high caliber cramp. I, uh, picked this up along the way and, uh, it's, I, I started just, it, it needed to be refinished. Like some of the finish was coming off and it was scratched and dinged and whatever, but it's a solid wood dresser with dovetails and all that fun stuff. But uh, I started working on it and I pulled out one of the drawers and I saw it had a stamp on the inside that showed it was from a, uh, a, a furniture maker in Ottawa. I went, oh, that's interesting. Like how many furniture makers could there be in Ottawa? So I looked up the name and it turns out that particular furniture maker in, in the town I currently live in went out of business in 1935 and really switched up 
between the first world war and when they went out of business, they really switched and stopped making uh, house furniture and started making like library and school furniture. So between, and then during the war, they were doing war related uh, stuff. So they weren't making furniture at all. So based on all of that information, I'm working on a dresser that's over a hundred years old. So that's kind of cool, but it's going to be a, uh, my last restoration of an old, uh, Thing, like piece of furniture didn't do well on YouTube. So this one's just going to be a before and after picture on Instagram. Um, it's I, nice. I kind of like, I think I could pull a story out of it if I had filmed it, but I don't know. Kind of happy. I didn't. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Then I, uh, I also got some new shoes and, uh, you know, kind of invested in my, uh, and my don't you dare my <laughs> in, in my feet because uh my old ones are literally worn through the bottom they weren't obviously waterproof anymore not that really matters so that's what i mainly wear around the shop and they were uh just needed to be replaced if you go on my instagram you can actually see the uh the the post i made showing because they they still made the same uh design of shoe so i ordered the exact same one because i'm broken and if i find something that works i just keep ordering the same until they discontinue it um but anyways i showed and it's kind of interesting to see and i'm pretty sure these the ones that i'm throwing out were five years old and obviously the new ones were brand new but it's interesting to look at how i wear like where where it mm. wears down on my feet interesting and I literally feel an inch taller. <laughs> my my like current lineup of shoes in terms of what I wear regularly is like my steel toed Blundstones, which I wear pretty much every day to work, and then my Van skate shoes, which are super thin on the bottom. So I have like the two extremes and nothing in the middle. <laughs> I feel like I really need like a a middle ground shoe. So I I have a pair of Blundstones, and. I don't know what it is about them. I think they're defective because when I walk, my one of my feet just goes numb from <laughs> whatever the pressure points. But it's only one foot, and it's never happened on any other like thing. And I just thought when I first got them, I just thought, oh, like I must have slightly two different slightly sized feet, and this will wear in. Well, it's been two mm. years, and they still go numb every time I wear them. That's so so I basically can only walk for about five minutes in them at a time. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I really like the way they look. I like the way they go on. I like everything about Blundstones except for mm. the fact that I can't walk for more than five minutes without my foot falling asleep. It's a tragedy. So many pairs of shoes. <laughs> I just, bought a, um, I just bought, a, bought a new pair of shoes for the gym. And they're um, the Rock collaboration special. Nice. Yeah. Motivation. What, what does this? What does it smell like? Does it smell what like it, the Rock? What the Rock is cooking? That's what I say. Whatever he's cooking. All right. Well, this week, um, <laughs> I've been um, I've been chugging along on the hand crank sewing machine. I'm really loving that thing. Um, I actually got Eden using it this week as well. We we're so before I pulled the trigger on this machine, we were talking about getting 
uh, a more standard sewing machine, uh, a modern electrically powered one. And then when I, when I looked at this, I was like, oh, I guess we could really do everything that we want to with this. So she, um, she's been wanting to use it. So she repaired a couple pairs of pants this weekend. And last week I put out the travel wallet video, which I was like super happy with. I was really happy with like the vibe of it. And it was kind of funny. Like I kind of just winged the design, wong, winged, wong, winged. I winged the design on that wallet. Kind of like, you know, I have some base knowledge of sewing and how bags go together. And then after I made it, I was like, I want to get more practice on this machine. And so Eden has this zippered pouch, which is not too different from the wallet that I made. And so I turned it inside out, figured out how it was made, and then um, made one out of like an old pair of corduroy pants. And it came out like so much cleaner than the wallet that I made like a full produced video on. I was like, (laughs) this is what I do. I do something, I wing it, and then I afterwards I figure out the proper way to do it. Um, But it's fun because it's like, I feel like it's all these like stepping stones towards the backpack. Um, Oh, another kind of thing, I guess, in relation to that. So as I mentioned in the podcast, I think like two weeks ago, I was going to wax the canvas for this, but I was using this like synthetic, uh, this synthetic, really tightly woven canvas. Uh, This non-canvas canvas. canvas. Yeah. And it didn't work like at all. So I I melted the wax, I brushed it on and I took a hairdryer to it and I'll just kind of like beat it up and was, didn't even come close to soaking into the fibers. Um, so now I know, <laughs> and I actually watched a full tutorial, the same thing again, oh. I tried it, didn't work. And then I found out the proper way to do it afterwards. It's my MO. So, uh, I'll just put this out here for anyone listening. If you have fabric that is currently waterproof, or water resistant <laughs> or water beats off of it, you're going to be unlikely to have other liquids to not also be <laughs> it. <laughs> it's a fantastic point. Um, but that being said, now that I know the proper way to do it and have some more kind of hours on the sewing machine under my belt, I'm like really starting to chomp at the bit to make the backpack. I think I'm going to get it done like well in time for the deadline we set. What was it? March or was that the halfway point? I don't know. Regardless, I think um, I'll get it done before long. And it's, I'm excited too, because like the thing about making an item like this is you can make it look so different from anything you bought in stores. Like I'm thinking about mm-hmm. some like cool patterned fabric or or bright colors or something. Well, and like every pocket that you put into it can actually serve a real purpose. Like I have a backpack that I absolutely like. I like it, but then I put a water bottle in the water bottle pocket, and it like mm-hmm. falls out while you're walking, and you're like, "Why is this?" It's like just just a little bit too short short to, yeah. to like to fit like on the, that's, the spot where the water bottle gets smaller and i'm like God that's how it. you tell a quality backpack it has a very deep water bottle water bottle packet pa- whoa i can't speak water bottle pocket right so i've got another one where the water bottle pocket's too deep right mm. so then you can't like reach it like you're reaching into it and i'm like i the nice thing is when it's out you can grab it easily like just grabbing behind you Mm-hmm. and feel it you don't have to reach into it there's like a sweet spot and if you were at high caliber camp you got those little water bottle things that dean had they're perfect i might just mm-hmm. sew one of those onto the side of a backpack oh there you go I, yeah, I and then you could have like clips on it i had a bag once i had like a strap that came over the top 
it was like it was like two elastic bands, and then it had like a clip, and that would hold the bottle. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah so I also might sound a little different this week. Uh, apologies for sounding like hot garbage last week. I'm not really sure why it happened, but it happened back to back on Clamp and Into the Spotlight, and then I recorded the Patreon podcast, and it sounded great. So. I don't know what's going on with that mic or if it's the cable or the interface. It sounded great on my end, Grant. I don't know why you're giving this. It sounded way better than either of the other podcasts. Um, <laughs> but I was like, I've had this thing for like five, six years. It's time to upgrade. I'm doing enough audio content. So I, uh, I dropped some coin on the Blue Yeti, which I've been using in the past couple of days. So that's what I'm recording in now. And hopefully... We have no more issues with the audio from my end. Um, yeah. And it actually has a functional stand, unlike the Snowball. So very happy with this thing. Yeah, the Snowball really doesn't have a good stand, does it? No, it's so low. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Unless you have... Like, I used to stack it on piles of books to get it up in front of my mouth. Which defeats the purpose. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, it feels good to like make a little investment in something that I spend a lot of time doing. Um, I feel like as this year is coming to a close, I'm thinking about a few more pieces of equipment that I want to get to make my production better, make my life easier. Um, I've always edited videos only on my laptop screen, but at work, I use an external monitor, which is a luxury so oh my I've, god i don't know if i could do it anymore on my laptop screen just my laptop screen that's hmm. i've done one or two videos on that and then i immediately went out and got like a 27 inch screen and i just went yeah. like, how can you do with this <laughs> you know what it's really convenient for is like if you're looking at two things at the same time like if you're looking at a document or working on another document that's that's the best um i actually i don't mind it too much while video editing but i know that having a bigger screen to look at will just make it a better experience. So I, for just to go back to it a little bit, I put the video editing on the big screen and I put all my clips on the little screen so I can pull a clip over. Right. And I can see all the clips hmm. and I can see like images. And like, if you had like a story or a script that you have that you want to put out or your, you know, any ideas or anything you can put on the other screen and then you have your editing just on one screen. And that's the only thing you do on that yeah. screen. And anything else you want to do, you want to look up a fun technique on how to, like, you know, make my clamps disappear, that's on the other screen. It's just, like, having two screens yeah. is, like, a game changer. I do it all on my yeah. screen. Game changer. I just minimize. It, uh, yeah, I guess it, like, it does kind of minimize distractions if you only have one screen to work off of. No, like, I, just, it's also- I just minimize my editing program and then look at whatever I want to look at. <laughs> But right, it's right. um, it's kind of like working in a shoebox, right? If you have one little screen to work on, like you don't realize how much your world is constricted until you mm-hmm. clean off your desk and then have some space to actually spread out, um, which this is going to make me do as well because I think I would want to set it up in like my workshop and I'll need to make that place a little more orderly before I start injecting like working regularly in a computer in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I used I used a dual setup um, a couple of weeks ago for the first time on Mace House. So I used like one screen for the game I was playing and then one screen with like Discord and stuff. And like it is a game changer. But I don't know if editing it would really help me. 
Because I drop all my clips into my editing program. It won't hurt you. I can tell you that. It will open up new possibilities that you never thought, never even crossed your mind. I I don't know if I really generally need any other programs while I'm editing, but. Well, to, to, to make it into a bit more of a general metaphor, that's the nice thing about like when you, when you invest in a piece of equipment or something, like you might get it for one reason, but then you start using it and it allows you to do things that like, cause we all operate like with certain assumptions of mine. You're like, this is what I can do. This is how much time I have to do it. So this is how much I can output. But once you start like increasing, it sounds very obvious, but once you start increasing your capabilities, it unlocks things that like possibilities that you don't, you don't expect. And that's what I found yeah. with the 3d printer, right? Like I got it for kind of an ambiguous reason. I got those, that those stimulus checks. And I was like, well, now I'm a thousand dollars richer that I wasn't <laughs> expecting. And I didn't really need. Um, and I feel like I could do a lot with a 3d printer in an apartment. So let's just get one and start doing stuff. And now, I mean, I had it, you know, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been printing a 3d printed knife twice a day for the last weeks um now you're an entrepreneur yeah <laughs> but like you know i had a list of like I, I wouldn't buy it if i didn't have anything that i wanted to do but i had a list of like five to ten things but you kind of know in the back of your head that there's all these other projects that are possible as well yeah what well, when you're when you get a new tool and you invest in that, it can open up a lot of things, but you can also, it, it also can make you less creative because you now are thinking, oh, this is the only, like, now I have to use this tool, right? Now I'm, you like kind of force yourself into using a tool, even though it may not be the best way, right? Like all of a sudden mm-hmm. now you're using your CNC for everything because you can. Right. And now you're, you're making like straight cuts that you could have made on the table saw in three seconds on the CNC. Right. And that kind of stuff. And I just think like sometimes it's not as much of an investment as people want to believe that it is, especially when they're talking about high value things. They end up like whenever someone thinks about getting like a festival sander and they're a hobbyist and they're, and they don't have a lot of money. Like, I don't care. You got tons of money. Go buy whatever tools you want. But it's not, you're not doing it as an investment in your, in your business. But if you don't look at it, it's like, I'm going to be able to do something faster or better. But you try and like, a lot of times I feel people try and justify these investments because they can, right? Like they just want, they just want a new tool. It has nothing yeah. to, there's no real investment there. Like whenever I hear Austin talking about buying another, uh, <laughs> like machine, like metal lathe or whatever. I just go like, what do you need all that for Austin? Like it's not, you're not investing in yourself anymore. You're doing it for your fun and that's fine. But don't, don't say it's an investment. And I don't think he does, but every time I hear it, it makes me think <laughs> you're just, you're just throwing shade just cause. <laughs> well, cause he's, you know what? Sometimes he just Austin. whines about stuff like a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and that's an. E- I, I understand where you're coming from. It's an easy trap to fall into to like convince yourself that you need something. And I've been second guessing that with this monitor. Like, you know, I do perfectly fine editing on a laptop screen, but part of it also for me comes down to like ergonomics. Like mm-hmm. being sitting at my laptop and you're looking down when you're at a desk, and it's definitely not good for your back. 
So I'm just thinking about like, even if I wasn't using multiple screens, just being able to be in like a more comfortable position where I'm not giving myself long-term back problems is probably worth 200 bucks. Yep. Yeah. Everything comes down to, you can convince yourself everything is worth money and, and, and it's all worth it. And if you had unlimited funds, it would be all worth it. But there becomes a point diminishing returns on your investment. It's like, okay, yeah. one thing I'd like, I think investing in myself, I think about like for my job, I want, I could learn French. I already speak French, but I could learn it better. Right. And that'd be a great investment in myself. They're willing to pay for me. They bought me Rosetta Stone and I don't do it. One, because Rosetta Stone was literally written in the 90s. And like all the people's <laughs> videos are, the cars are from the 90s. The people have hair from the 90s. They're talking about fax machines in the business world. And I'm like, I don't. Nobody faxes anymore. Anyways, that's <laughs> another thing. But and I just can't get into it. But uh, I, I have a hard time investing myself because I just, like, I know where that could lead, and I don't like it. Can you I don't expand want, on that? Yeah, I know if I invest in myself, I, I could get promotions, right? Like, obviously, I'd have to apply for them and whatever, and it could lead to like an executive position in the government and whatever. And I know that would be more money in my pocket, but it would also be less. I'd become, I'd get into roles where they would take more demanding on my time and my, like, my amount of like computer computing that I can do in my brain every day. And I don't want to like, at the end of the day, I already feel in the job I'm at, you know, it can be stressful. It can be, you know, trying. And I wouldn't want to get into a position where I'm, you know, maxing myself out so that I don't have any fun stuff at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So I think part of me, go on. Yeah. I, I think part of me, doesn't do the French training because I don't want, I want to use that as my excuse of why I'm not going ahead. (laughs) I mean, I think that's a good point that like, just because you can do more, do better, make more money doesn't mean it's necessarily going to give you a better life or even make you more money because maybe you have less time to do other things that you valued more highly above that. Um, I mean, it's something I think we're seeing everywhere a lot now. People are walking away from stressful, high-paying jobs because a lot of people are, like nurses, for example, are figuring out that uh, it's not really worth it at a certain point. And I've thought about that with like on a smaller scale, like with these razor knives, for example. Like, yes, I could, you know, I want to produce them and sell the physical products, but that would mean I would have to put in the work of producing and selling the physical products. Yeah. Right. So if you, and if I didn't do that, you know, then it's the opportunity cost. You have time to do other things. So yeah, that's a, and I, there, I mean, on the more physical investment side of things, one of the things that holds me back is like, I really have this aversion to being buried in a mountain of stuff, especially at this point in my life. And like, it stresses me out the more things that I have around me. Um, in this apartment he says, that I, as, I know is- as he just is buying a new monitor, buying a new microphone, buying a new <laughs> giant sewing machine. That thing's small. <laughs> um, no, but it's, it's true. Like each of those things come with, comes with it. This like mental baggage of like, well, that's uh, one step closer to like the last thing I'm going to get at this place or got to start getting rid of some other stuff. Um, but it is like, 
it's proven time and time again, when I make those correct decisions, when it comes time to invest in myself, like it blows my doors wide open. And I think, I mean, we're also in very different spots, right? Like you're, you're in an established career and you're talking about like changing up that career. Whereas I'm like just starting out and thinking like, well, how can I turn this into a sustainable (laughs) career? And so there's like, there's all these kind of avenues I can look at and go down. Um, and I think about it like, yeah, sorry, go on. I was going to say, I guess it's like a lot. Of, I, I hear a lot of people go like, I want to become a, you like, I know you wanted, I, I've watched your YouTube video where you went like, I'm going full-time maker, YouTuber, whatever. Uh, it wasn't exactly YouTuber, but you said it. I want to go full-time at this. So I've quit my job. Right. And I, great. And, but you didn't go out and then go, and I bought a red camera and I bought a, you know, all this like ridiculous stuff. There's people who do that, who go, I'm investing in myself by buying $10,000 worth of stuff to start my YouTube business. And I don't mm-hmm. want those people. I don't want anyone who listens to this to think that's investing in yourself mm-hmm. because I don't think it is. Actually, I disagree with that. I wish I had more of that quality. So, I am definitely averse to taking risks in that way of like taking, you know, going into debt to do something like that, which, you know, I'm, I have no debt. I'm very like happy having no debt, but I think sometimes there's a time to take a risk. And I see it a lot in my work where they're like, they'll, you know, they'll spend money. We're we're getting an embroidery machine, um, which is an incredible piece of an equipment that we don't currently have. I mean, it will open up a lot of opportunities. It's not like we need it right now, but we're getting it because it's going to open up new things. And it's right. definitely a risk. And I see that and I'm like, that's like, a, you know, it's risky, but um, it also is has a pretty big potential upside. I'm not saying I want to start spending $10,000 on machines, but um, I, I feel but, like I can use a little more of that quality in my own life. I, I guess I see, I, I hear where you're coming from, but it's, they see an opportunity and are willing to risk the money for it. Whereas mm-hmm. a lot of people just go, they, they don't see an opportunity. Like if I wanted to start a YouTube career, right? And I spend $10,000, I haven't made $10,000 yet, right? And I produced mm-hmm. for a year, I produced a video a week, right? And I, I know I didn't produce the best videos in the world, but I, I don't think I produce garbage videos either. And so I look back at that and go, if I had spent $10,000, you know, you're going to get like a 10 year payoff to get $10,000 back from YouTube. Like you got to think, I guess it's more, if you think there's a reasonable expectation that this will pay you off, like Austin, again, to bring him back, he talked about getting his first like metal lathe and he went, I can buy these, this part that I can make, I can make it for, I don't know, one cent and I can buy it for six cents. So all I got to do is make X number of them. And if I make this many of them, I've paid off my machine. And so he said, like, I, I don't know if it was a year later, he went, I've made enough now with, if I only had made that and obviously it expanded his thing, I've paid off my machine. So when you see opportunities like that, it makes sense to invest in yourself. When you don't, when you just go, I'm investing in myself because without an actual there's no return on investment you don't actually have something you're just hoping that if i spend enough money money will come back on me yeah right like do do youtube grow with your phone 
right? Grow with exactly. a GoPro or whatever. Then if you see the opportunity, invest. So yeah. I, there's no sorry, point Adam, in going, you go. Sorry, I was going to say, there's no point in buying the best of the best and then not have put in the work to begin with. Like you, as you said, you go spend $10,000 on a red camera and then you might not even find that you enjoy it or that you have the time to even do it. Start off with something small and affordable, get your business up and running and then invest in the business. Like I didn't go out and spend and buy a full sheet $30,000 CNC. I bought a $1,500 CNC that I know is reliable that I can use to start my business and then I can upgrade in the future. Mm-hmm. So Grant, what you're describing is a, is a dumb person who's going to buy, <laughs> spend $20,000 on equipment with no plan and expect to make money off of that. And of course those people exist, but the, the other uh, archetype that comes to my mind is someone like Kevin Raposo, who we interviewed on into the spotlight. Mm-hmm. And he like, invested heavily in the start of his YouTube channel. He has like fantastic graphic design. He built a website. He started an entire course. He bought lights. He has all this production equipment. And yeah, it was a risk, but he had the skills to back it up. And I think now he's like rocking, I don't know, 10, 20,000 subscribers. And I'm sure a certain amount of signups for his his course. Um, right. So I, I understand that there's people who are going to waste money or, or uh just spend it on a dream for lack of a better term. But I think like it's, you shouldn't discount that there are people that are also going to spend money and like, you know, have the skills and plan to back it up. Okay. Just to, before Adam goes, I know he's got something, but Kevin was into photography, was into videography, then started and he wanted to teach and he has this whole plan put in place. Mm -hmm. That is a big difference between what I'm talking about. Someone who goes, I, I've quit my job at the factory. I'm going to go full time in YouTube, and I need a red camera. And I get but who is this person who you're talking about? Like do there these are people so exist? there are people, people that do it. Red cameras oh are like sixty thousand dollars. This is okay. this is a, this is exactly the point I was going to make too. You say that he had the skills to back it up. How do you know that? Because he's already been in the the mindset and the industry of being trying to do the photography and everything to begin with. Whereas you have someone that's going to go. I'm going to quit my job at Macca's tomorrow. I'm going to go buy a $5,000 camera and start, and I'm going to be a photographer. Like that's not how it right. works. You can't just, you can't just go put yourself in a ton of debt and go, I'm going to be this thing. Cause you could do that and then never actually know how to use a camera properly. And then you never take off. You never right. become a photographer. The, I would say the other side of it though, you might not have the experience, but there are definitely people that have the motivation and the, the, you know, drive to teach themselves and, I'm sure can make it happen. I, I think there's I think, there's people all across the spectrum. And I think sure. the problem is you're talking about outliers and I'm saying I don't want You're to also talking about outliers. Not not everyone <laughs> no. is quitting their job and spending $10,000 to start a failed YouTube channel. But, look, okay, lot, what I'm dude. saying is don't invest if you're going to invest in yourself, make sure it's actually an investment in yourself and in, when you invest there's a plan. Right? Yeah. A lot of people buy a new tool because they want to, and then they, they they backwards justify it as an investment, and it's not. Right. It's, yeah, okay. fair point. Let's, 
let's get out of this negative hole that I've dug us in. No, that was that was negative. That was an interesting conversation. Okay, I enjoyed it. But let's. I, I think it. I, well, I did want to expand a little bit though. Is where does the drive come from though? Like, do you have the drive because you actually think you want to be a YouTuber, or do you have the drive because you see all these people that are successful in YouTube and go, "I'm going to be that person." You see people that make millions of dollars a year playing games on YouTube. And you think, oh, that's easy. I could do that. I'll go spend ten thousand dollars on a computer. Well, and that that all comes down to the plan, right? You have to yeah. figure out what why you're doing something before you invest in it. But well, that's what I mean. Yeah. I, I want to. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about you investing in yourself and getting this, like CNC, mm-hmm. right? You have a plan. You. You have these like cutting boards you want to do. Like it all makes sense that that you could probably take the amount of cutting boards you need to do to pay off your machine. Yep. But I've you probably have a out. number. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That's where it is investing yourself. Like yeah. mm-hmm. morally it's a little different with the sewing machine because I don't think you have like a number of projects you want to do. But you saw I you know, by buying this uh that sewing machine it was an investment in your in yourself and you knew I'll be able to stitch things faster than if right. I were to like hand punch it and you know, whatever. So, so here's where I'm at right now. So right. I am in, in everything I'm doing with my own ventures, I'm basically operating as a skeleton crew. So like I'm working in a, <laughs> at a small workshop out of an apartment, editing on my laptop with a very affordable editing software it's bare bones to the max. So basically right. any equipment I get that is relevant <laughs> to <laughs> the things that I want to do is I think a worthwhile investment. Obviously that's a hyperbole, but right. But like as long as I'm not dropping thousands of dollars, like there's a lot of things that I can get that make a lot of sense. <laughs> it's just kind of like a matter of timing for me. Right. And space. Yeah. Like, I think you're one of the people who, if you had a big laser or a big CNC, you could utilize it and you could also uh, utilize it. You could actually make money with it. I think if somebody were to gift you the space and time, you would you would make them money, right? Like, if someone said, mm-hmm. I know, do it for I'd the like Steam to- project. <laughs> right. <laughs> I make the money. <laughs> but yeah, there's, if somehow there was some like, I don't know what it is, but there's someone who said, I want you to produce this many things for me, and then you can use this shop for yourself. Mm-hmm. I think you would, you could maximize that offer. Like, it makes me think well, of like you. Brett, uh, Brett um, McAfee from Skull and Spade. And he talked about like how he kind of set up shop in, in Jimmy's place. And, you know, he was able to do the things for Jimmy and then, in the off time, you know, have a little space covered out for himself and and, and kind of maximize that. And then he also is doing that with the with some blacksmiths down in California now. But it's mm. like, you know, he's he's his actual space is very small, but he's able to maximize other spaces. And I think, yeah. you know, you could probably do that too. But yeah, I was gonna say Jimmy yeah, has said no, that so I, many times on making it, yeah. like he. He has people that come work for him and it's, you must like, you have these jobs I need you to do for me. And then my shop is all yours. Yeah, no, I, I am doing that. Like I've, I've got a couple projects coming up that are going to be done primarily in someone else's space. And that's how, you know, that's how plenty of contractors work. 
they're not yeah, operating right. out of like their own shop. They got the mobile tool van. And it's just as, as long as you have like a few strategic tools and the wherewithal and the plan, you can do a lot with that setup. So with in thinking about that, is investing time with other people and making relationships and getting to know people in your area, is that investing in yourself? You just made me think of something that I'm definitely going to tell you about in the after show related to that. But yes, a hundred percent it is. Cause it, in the same way of like getting the 3d printer, it opens up things that you never thought possible that are like bigger than yourself, everything beyond your current capabilities. Hmm. Very, very interesting. Mm. Mm. I don't know what, what to are say. some, um, what are some investments you guys have made that you're like, that was a game changer or ones that you want to make in the near future that you're pretty stoked about or ones that you would like to regret. It wasn't sure. the real, <laughs> if we want to go back into the Valley of negativity. <laughs> um, uh, I think my, one of the biggest like jumps that I ever did was buying my thicknesser. Um, oh, okay. It wasn't that big of a deal, but it is a game changer to when it comes to preparing wood mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, that's what, so like in starting up this woodworking class at the steam project, which hasn't really existed before this fall, like we've done woodworking projects and had the shop, but the in-person classes haven't really operated consistently for any amount of time at all. So this fall is really the first time that we've had like a real woodworking class. And in thinking about the sort of projects we've done, I was like, yeah, if we get a planer, which we don't have right now, we have plenty of other tools, but we don't have a planer. It would open up so many more um, real woodworking projects because mm-hmm. you're not just dealing with what we get from the shops, as they say. But sorry, Adam, I kind of cut off. All right, you're, you're clearly dealing with a child. It's <laughs> all good. You're a good multitasker. Um, no, yeah, no, I was, I was just saying that. I've, I've, I haven't really invested that much in myself, to be honest. I mean, like, I have, like, every tool that you could need, mm-hmm. but... I don't. I wouldn't call them all investments. The CNC but, was an investment, and buying um, my editing program was an investment. But other than that, I wouldn't say much was an investment. Hmm. Well, from my side, I think a lot of times I've invested is time, and I know it's like I, I can't. I just can't answer the question, yeah. can I? Ta- time um, is definitely a massive investment for all of us. Right. So sure. I've I've allocated time to do things and learn things and try things and screw things up and try them again. Yeah. That I think that's that's the biggest investment in myself is giving myself the time to do things. So but I I think that's that's something everyone needs to do in order to to progress, but what I want to think of, like if I think about a tool that I feel like was a game changer. Um, the only thing I can really think of is, is buying good saw blades. Hmm. Because I always just used whatever saw blade was on the saw, right? And then one day I just went, I just bought a like this ultra fine cut Diablo and I saw the difference. The same with like sharp sharpening a tool is the same thing. And then you went, Oh my God, this thing actually cuts, right? Like (laughs) the difference between the, like 
garbage that, no offense to my grandfather, but the garbage that I, I got from my grandfather, which had been sitting around rusting for like 20 years since, he, since he'd used it, because um, he passed away in his 90s and he wasn't out using his table saw in his 90s, uh, you know. And then I bought a brand new blade for that and I went, oh, this thing can cut, right? Like it was, it was an amazing investment to, and it really opened up my eyes. Um, like in terms of, go ahead. I was like, like buying a planer from the big box store, like a hand plane, but then actually yeah. sharpening it. It's such yeah. a big difference. Yeah. Oh, just having a sharp. So I got a spoke shave from uh, a Lee Valley spoke shave, a Veritas spoke shave. And I compared it to the spoke shave I'd been using before. Yeah. I, I was just like, what the hell was I using before? I've, I have a hand plane from from the big box store, and I always was like, why do people enjoy this? Like, this is terrible to use. I don't get it. I, can, I just could not get into hand planes. And then I bought, like, a $200 block plane, like a really, like, nice, expensive one. And the first cut, I'm like, oh, my God, I can see why people love hand planes. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is. When it works well, it's so good. Yeah. Well, before um, I talk I, about... Whoa, go, go on, Grant. I was going to say, before I talk about what I'm planning or what I'd like to invest, if I were to invest later, I'll let uh, other people talk. I just want to quickly say, um, <laughs> after that, I want to I want to come back around to time. I think that's a good, good thing to talk about, but I want to hear what Molly has to say. Nice. Now that you've both said what you're going to say after I'm done talking, um, I'd say <clears throat> cordless tools for me, have been pretty huge oh, um, yeah. without a consistent supply of power when I want to make dust. Uh, and even just being able to get things into my car when I go and pick them up from the lumber yard or Home Depot, that is massive because it literally changes what I'm able to make on my own. Um, but one of the huge ones is just working at the Steam Project right, right now, especially because we're doing a lot of product development. I've been that Tesla Tensegrity project is like still it's all it's almost ready to go out. Uh, I'm going to have to actually tomorrow I'm going to film a new video for the version 8 or whatever it's on right now. Um mm. and just coming up with ideas, prototyping them, having other people comment on them. Like you see why art school uh is so valuable because when you people talk about the critiques they do in classes, like having other people pick apart your projects and like force you to take it to a place where it's like really usable to a third party is very valuable. And being wanting to do more product development myself, it's it's every day I just come home with like lessons upon lessons. Maybe that should be like a whole topic in itself for another episode. And if you guys listening would like to hear us talking about critiquing, um, then let us know on Instagram or email us or whatever mm-hmm. else. How get get a hold of us somehow if you want to hear that episode. Tell us. Yeah, and Sorry. it's also like interrupt. It's also because it is so close to my everything I do on my own. It's forced me to think about everything I do on my own a lot more like a business because it's such like a one to one-to-one comparison it's not like apples to oranges it's more like apples to honeycrisp apples or like oranges <laughs> to tangerines it, it like because i come home like okay so we were doing this at work why am i not doing that why am i being so like oh up in the air like, like 
artist, whatever, like, no, let's, let's mm. talk about, let's do some bills of materials and um, make this a bit more of a rigorous process. So yeah, that investment is hmm. great. And I feel like, so yeah, go on. It's so weird to hear you say the job I have is an investment. <laughs> yeah, it is. The, I'm the putting time into it and I'm going to get, yeah, but I'm saying like the things I'm going to get out of it are, are, is not this, well, you know, I am getting paid and it's paying my living expenses, but the long-term benefits, that's what an investment is. An investment pays off over time. That's right. I, I, I agree. And conversely, like, you know, when I was working at the scenery shop, um, yeah, I was learning some carpentry skills, but I would not call that an investment in the same way that this job was. Like that job was not giving me things that I could take. It gave every, every valuables, every experience is valuable and teaches you lessons, but it was not giving me the same level of lessons and just ideas that this job is. Right. It wasn't the direction you wanted to go. Yeah, exactly. I, okay. So this is, I don't know if I said this on this podcast, but I I was saying this to Eden when I was at that job, I felt like a dumber version of myself, (laughs) like straight up. Like I, you know, like when you're, when you're doing something for eight hours a day where you're like not using the parts of your brain that like really, um, get you excited and where you feel like you're being used. Like I I would come home and feel dumber because I just wasn't being stimulated in the same way. It's, it's funny you say that because thinking of it of another way as well, we were at, I was with my mate the other day and we went to a shop to get food and there was a light hanging from the roof and the four brackets holding the light up worked straight. And I just looked at him and said, this is why I can't be a contractor. I can't (laughs) deal with like it. It's not hard to get stuff straight. I just don't like, but I would feel so dumb because everything has to be so rushed that you don't have time to make everything straight. And that's exactly how I would feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you have to devalue your work just to get through the day. Damn. That's yeah. heavy, <laughs> but it's true. Like you would have had that with the scenery shop. They, they, they're not like, we want you to make, we've talked about this before actually. Like, yeah, we don't, we don't it want did. you to make this box nice. We just need this box done. Yeah. And it, it takes a bit of a toll. Yeah. Because you're 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 not putting out as much quality of work, For sure. and it's you know it's fine. You're you're doing something else. Like it's a different type of work, so you just yeah. have to kind of like shift your perspective. But yeah, it's, there's there's more to it than that. Yeah, exactly. Well, on that note, what I'm hoping to get one day is a drum sander. That I think would change the game if I ever want to sell things, because sanding sucks. But it's just more, it's not even just sanding sucks. It's just like getting a consistent sand across something yeah. is so difficult. If I were to making cutting boards, I, I made them with just using my planer and then sanding them with random orbit sander. But if I were to throw them through on a drum sander, I just think they'd come out so much nicer. And I've used a drum sander a couple times and it's just, it's slow, slow AF. It's the slowest thing I've ever used. It's still going to be faster than yourself, but oh, it, we, like faster than sanding, but slow is like it's yeah. slow, right? Like I, if you watch the pencil thing, I literally filmed like three hours of sanding, because yeah, right. like, I was like, it's ridiculous how much sanding. Because it's the first time I'd use a drum sander. I was like, this is so cool, right? And I just kind of like set the thing in the side and like had it running at like thirty times. I went yeah. back at it and I took the thirty times footage and sped it up four more times in the editor. And it was still slow. <laughs> Oof. 
Yeah, oof. Got to re-render and go to 16 times. Yeah, that's I do that too. <laughs> do you, uh, do, sorry, not to segue away, but your, so your editing program won't let you go past four. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Okay. I think it's, mine's it's on, kind of mine's unlimited. It's, it's just totally dependent on graphics, like your graphics mm. capability of the program in your computer. I think I, I, I've done 4,000% before without an issue. Yeah, yeah, so it has nothing to do. It has to do with we have the cheapest version of Vegas. Oh uh, yeah, there you go. So yeah, that's something. Per- that's I, I need to just straight up buy a full suite editing software. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I did. The, the but then even is- free DaVinci Resolve didn't limit that. Anyways, it doesn't really matter. I I'm okay with rendering it and then rendering it again to get to sixteen yeah. times. If I need to go past sixteen times, I probably didn't film it with enough light. And enough frames to like to do it. Like it just, mm. it looks like garbage at at that much more. Yeah. Anyways. So Grant, uh, a new camera is not in your is not in your near future. No, I I really look at it and go, the only new camera I would get is a new GoPro, and there's no reason for me to get a new GoPro. I have zero interest in getting into better lighting, better like figuring out like. I took photography class in high school and got nominated um, like in a like provincial competition for the photography I did. I have forgotten every single thing I learned there. I don't care about it anymore. I have zero desire to learn anything about it. I want a point and shoot and I want it to catch everything, which is exactly what a GoPro does. All right. Interesting. Sounds good. I, I, would, I, actually, I would like... I was just going to say, I would love to get uh, some good lights, um, but I haven't really taken the time to research the the more budget-friendly options. Because, like, yeah, I talked to a photographer. They're like, yeah, you can get, like, an aperture key light for, like, $1,000. I'm like, great, <laughs> maybe, but uh, I need to see if that's worth it. <laughs> see, I, I have enough trouble just having to set up a camera. I don't want lighting. Like, I just want my shop to be lit well. Right. So I don't want Abby to have to deal me with for it. Christmas. <laughs> you just said I don't want I don't want to get lighting. I just want good lighting. <laughs> no, I mean like, I don't want to have to set up lights every time I want to shoot. I just want the place to be well lit. So no matter where I shoot the camera, uh, I see. I it's right. So Abby bought me for Christmas a ring light and a another light for like because I and she still comments on this day because I don't use them for the same reason Adam. I don't want to set them up all the time. I use the ring light here on the podcast. But she brought me and bought me another light. And she's like, "If you just use that light," and I'm like, "But it doesn't." I have to set up a whole second tripod for the second yeah. light, which makes yeah. it like I'm not going to do it. It needs to attach to the camera, a, or else. I was going to say, if only you had a camera that it attaches to. Oh, it like it was a big light. It's it's made to go on its own like tripod. Ah, okay. But I could like if I had a 3D printer, I could 3D print something that. Like made it so that there was an attachment beside my GoPro or whatever. I'm sure you could buy something like that. But oh. again, you've then got to you've got to aim your camera, you've got to aim your light. Like it's it's just too much work. Grant, you're using a ring light in the only setting where you should use a ring light. There's no other place where you should be using a ring light. Mm. Well, when I'm doing my talking heads, it would work as well. Yeah, but if you're only using a ring, like so, currently you have lighting behind you, you have other lighting in the room, so you have some background. But like, right? I'm on that yeah, show, baby. For a talking head, yeah, exactly what you're doing. But you would not want to use one of those for filming, uh, making video. 
Oh no, totally. Yeah, I wouldn't want to use it all the time, but I do when I do my intro and outro. A ring light would help. That's exactly where Abby goes. You look like garbage, and I'm like, that's how I look. I don't know what to do. Well, <laughs> while we're talking about talking heads, I just want to point out how beautiful Dave looked last week. His mm-hmm. camera setup is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Did you ask him what his uh, webcam? I ha- was? I haven't yet because I, I want to message him about Kickstarter and everything as well, but I just haven't got around to it. Nice. Um, well, I'll talk about what I want to invest in. So I also want to get a drum sander because like cutting boards and all that sort of stuff. But we want to invest in a laser. Um, nice. Buying a CNC was great, but for the lot of things that my wife wants to make, a laser is going to be better. Sweet. Yeah, they're so, getting cheaper. Yeah. Totally. Like we've, we've got these like blanks. Like I could cut that out on the CNC. It's acrylic. It's clear. Mm-hmm. I could cut that out on the CNC, but on a laser, it'd be so much easier and better. Sick. All right. Well, on that note, uh, where are we? Where are we? Where are we? I want to thank our Patreon supporters, especially uh, Brent Jarvis from Clean Cut Woodworking. And I believe Vincent Ferrari is also a top level supporter now. Uh, So thank you guys for your support. And thank you everyone who supports us there. Um, They also get access to the after show or you do if I'm talking to you as a patron, uh, which is usually quite good if I do say so myself, Um, as well as a leather keychain. So if you want to learn more about that, you can go to patreon.com slash clamp. And there's no easy segue for this. Grant told me that it's Vincent Ferrari and because we make, not just Vincent Ferrari, who's a top level supporter. Um, I just want to rip this off like a bandaid because we got a review and it's another New Jersey accent. And these are so hard. Like I watched an accent video and I know this is going to be bad. So let's just get it over with. <sighs> Damn. Okay. See, now I'm, now I'm drawing a blank. Now I don't even know what any accent sounds like. All right, let's just try this. These guys have a chat about a variety of topics, and their perspectives are interesting. If you like making, give this pod – why do you say podcast is pod? Give this pod a try. I promise Grant will keep you entertained. This is really bad. I'm just going to speak normally. Since Morley has to nope, read this in my – Keep going. That was oh, great. I'll go back. Since Morley has to read this in my new – Joyzy accent, I can almost guarantee he will screw up the accent and do some overdone TV style New Jersey accent that is clearly Staten Island. Let's see how he does. Would be funny to hear Grant and Adam give their version of the accents, but it would only leave let me leave a five-star review, so I'll add the other two here. Anyway, good luck and keep up the good work. I'm sorry. That's all I have to say. I just, I just want to point out that the, the as soon as you said um, he will screw up the accent and do some overdone. As soon as you said the words overdone, your accent just went so much more. Yeah. It just went, it went really over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that was yeah. really great. I would love to try it. I listened to some how to speak Jersey and then I, uh, I, I, it didn't, none of it worked. All it said is like, don't say Jersey as joysy. Because nobody says it that way except for on TV. See, I only said that because I just forgot everything that I had watched in the heat of the moment. So I was like, that's a thing. I'll say it. I wouldn't even I, to start to try and sound American, but yet Jersey. Yeah. So that was that's a t- that was from hard thing Keith with impressions. Brennan. You have to just tart. Uh, uh, you have to just practice. Sorry, Grant. From yeah. Yes. That was from Keith who? Drennan from the Working Hands podcast and Blackthorn Concepts. 
And if you actually go listen to his accent, which I also did just to try and prepare uh, to try and do this, I went, you just sound like Morley. I would just, I would have gone <laughs> like Morley with like a little bit. Little like twang. Drunk, dr- drunk Morley or something. Thanks for not telling me who it was. So I wouldn't, I couldn't do that. <laughs> I did. I told you in the, in the discord, but anyways, let's not in fight on the podcast. Um, <laughs> all right. Clementations. For my clementation this week. Um, so we are getting set up to do enameling at the steam project. Uh, so I've been researching that and collecting all the information and we got, we got a kiln on order, found an enamelist in Toronto who's setting us up with some supplies. So I've been doing a ton of research and I reached out to Emily Joyce with a bunch of questions and she's been super helpful. Um, everything I've asked, she's gone like above and beyond to answer all my questions. And the more I've learned about enameling, the more impressed I am by her work. Um, mm. I know it's like one of, I feel like it's one of the more niche, do I want to say? Maybe one of the less mainstream making among the online maker community. But if you're at all interested in it, I would highly encourage just like researching about the whole process because it's super interesting. Like the chemistry of it. Um, like if you really wanted to, you can get a kiln for, you know, it's an investment. It's like, thousand dollars for a a good quality kiln um but yeah just getting like the chemicals and the copper discs required and just it's i'm so excited to start doing it um hopefully the kiln comes in soon but it's like pottery right now it's so hard to get a pottery kiln or pottery supplies because it's really blown up during the pandemic as potters have Mm -hmm. moved out of group studios so it's trickled over to like jewelry makers in the same way because it's like a tangentially related industries a lot of the same kiln makers make both and a lot of people have gotten into enameling as well so hopefully we get it soon but it is uh supply chain issues for sure if you want to hear more from emily joyce go listen to episode 56 yeah go do that oh i'm next um i have a weird one this week so there's a little backstory to it but I am going to clamp mandate a watch company called Nixon Watches. It's an Australian-based company. So my watch that I have here, um, I've had maybe I've had it for about ten years. I've had probably three issues with it, and their customer service is what every customer service should be. It is yeah. amazing. I called them the other day because uh, there was a pin had broken on the the clasp when it closes. And I rang the guy and he's like, oh, can you send me some pictures? I sent him some pictures. He goes, oh, I'll just send you a whole new clasp. Like no proof of purchase, like nothing. And this was on like 4, 4 p.m. on a Friday and I had it on 10 a.m. on Monday. It was at my front door. Wow. Like amazing. And like this isn't the first time. Like the three times I've called them, they just send out a new part. Like they don't, they don't ask for proof of purchase, nothing. Just like just send out a spare part and they're done. Wow. Yeah. Have you ever called Bluntstone? Because they're Australian. No. Don't even know what that is. Oh. You don't know what Bluntstone is? The, the no. boot company? No. Oh. Bluntstone. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're I get, well, was, we were talking about it Grant, earlier. You don't know this random Vancouver company? It's a whole country, man. 
Blondstone. <laughs> Anyways, uh, my I'm gonna I'm gonna clamp and date something different this week. I'm gonna clamp three by three customs uh, tomorrow over there. Um, she has a nice accent. I hope one day she writes a review so I can hear uh, Morley try it out. As you can say, and, and you can hear him try and say drawer. What's Anyways. her accent? I think it's I think it's Boston, Massachusetts. It's, she says drawer in a in the wrong Draw? way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then she made a bunch of drawers, and it was, and then she got like a bunch of comments about it. Anyways, it's great. Um, she recently did a video of five uh, gift ideas for woodworking projects using up, you know, gift ideas for the holidays. But uh, I, you know, there's five of them in there. But one of them I, that I really liked was this little uh, tray thing that she made, which had a bunch of different size tray pieces that you could take out so you could replace it. You know, you could either do chips and dip or you could do like, you know, a bunch of different charcuteries or whatever, like charcuteries, boards, whatever whatever you call them. Anyways, cool video, five different gifts. Go check it out. All right. Well, oh, yes, that that accent though. I think the only thing left to do is to thank Mr. TF Turning for the theme music. Um, and if you want to see, oh, never mind. If you want to see Grant's deliciously visually appealing cover art, you can see it on the Clampstagram. But I think it's at Clampcast still. It's just that the name of the account is Clampstagram. Clampstagram is taken. I discovered. Oh. So the name, the name's still Clampstagram. What the heck? I, I, I don't know. But um. So we have the handle Clampstagram, but our name is Clampcast. At wow, some yeah. What is I'm now? I'm going to Confederation of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology Students. That's right, yeah. pathobiology students. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That is mm. not what I expected. <laughs> I remember I looked it up now with an incredibly yeah. creative name. <laughs> That's why I couldn't think of it because I I knew it was something. They, I think they deserve it. They, they they seem to put a lot of thought into that. Okay. <laughs> Well, don't go to at Clampstagram. Go to at Clampcast and probably follow at Clampstagram when you're at it because it sounds like they deserve it. Um, you can also find us on YouTube, Clamp, search that or something, something like that. And um, you're listening to this podcast. So thanks for listening to where this wherever you listen podcasts at. Um, yeah. Bye. See you. Goodbye. Because we make sorry, I I was typing in the chat. Well, I forgot to put it in there. I'm sorry. And before cut we go the, to cut, you know what? Cut, cut that out, Adam. Cut that out. He, he's not going to cut it out. <laughs> yeah, I know. You said before that every time, to- and I never do. 